世界の果てを駆け巡るこの音が聞こえるはずだ何をバカなことを何だ何なんださあ我らと共にいざなおう君が望む世界へ Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast about the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utsuna. As always, I'm your host, Christine Palin. And as always, I'm joined by my favorite homophobic gay man, Derek Reiner. <laughs> wow, I am like the toga of real people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I tell everyone that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why no one ever wants to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. I will not, you know, I'm not confirmed or denied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again you come in with the like most uh, horror like those just like terrible things to say about me i don't understand the listeners would like to know i took a long time to come up with something and then i was like i've got it and it was that was that <laughs> <laughs> i was like I, I don't know there's like so much material to draw from but i i knew you would come up with something just <laughs> completely insulting no matter what the first thing my first thought was like oh someone i'd like to go bowling with but that wasn't funny you're like that can't be it that um but yes we are here to talk about episode 27 of utana nanami's egg which mm. if people it's definitely one of the more infamous episodes of the show like if people who have not seen it they typically either know there's a couch episode there's stuff with cars and then perhaps they know that there's something with an egg or more sp- i feel like um every few months at least on my tumblr timeline the um jury uh, my ball moment which is like <laughs> pop up at regular intervals um so i i hope that that is a lot of people's first exposure to the show is um, those screen caps. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, it, this is, ooh, this is a fun one. I, this is one, like, when we started the podcast, I was, like, re- always, like, really looking forward to getting to this one eventually. Me too. It's weird because I was, like, so much to the point that I was scared it wouldn't live up to the hype, but I actually <laughs> have a lot more to, like, th- say about this episode than I was expecting to going into it, so I, mm-hmm. I am very excited. Yeah, so um, what are your notes for our listeners on this one? Uh, I guess just, like, the general um, warning would be about uh, menstruation, if that's something that's, uh, for whatever reason, you don't want to hear talk about. That's obviously going to factor heavily into our discussion in this episode, so just a general warning about that. Um, I'm sure we will discuss Akio and Ati's relationship at some point in this episode that so that is also something to consider that we might get into um the details of that relationship in this episode so that's also something to keep in mind but other than that um unless you can think of anything else i think that's about it i mean animal death we do see some uh with the chicken turtle frog mm-hmm. various <laughs> different forms of them um so that's also something to look out for yeah um, so my notes on this one, uh, the storyboards on this one were done by Hiroshi Nishikiori, who did the Cowbell of Happiness. Mm. Um, and, uh, this was directed by Hayato Date, who did, who, uh, directed Nemo Memorial Hall, um, who was the series director of Naruto. I think he had one more episode of Uchina he directed that's coming up. Um, and then this was, of course, written by Ryota Yamaguchi, who wrote every Nanami episode. Um, so the legend himself, of course, had to be here <laughs> for the egg episode. Uh, yes, icon. Absolute icon. He's uh, just a gay legend, I think, at this point. I, I, like, he's given so much to the community. I, we mm-hmm. need to learn more about him because 
Um, we owe him so much for we everything <laughs> we've received in terms of Nanami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's add his initials to the um, the acronym, I think, the LGBTQ. <laughs> he needs to be in there somewhere. <laughs> and then N-E for Nanami's egg. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so we open this episode on a young Nanami in what we realize is a dream sequence. Um, it's kind of in black and white and it's in like a diamond. The framing mm-hmm. is really weird. We've never seen anything like this on the show where it's instead of like a square, it's in a diamond and like the Nanami's flowers on this outside. And it's young Nanami um, finding an egg in a sandbox and wondering what it is. And a man who I assume is her father mm. Um She's on a playground, it could be a male teacher, um, but I just assume it's her father, asks her what it is, and she says it's nothing, and she wakes up from that dream. So we are pre- op- opening on a dream sequence here. Yes, and they almost, they do like a lot to like really draw attention to the unreality of it, which they don't really do uh, throughout the rest of the episode. They kind of pull a classic sort of like bait and switch of like what appears to be like reality turns out to be a dream. Um, but this is, like, we start out, like, pretty heavily, like you said, like, extremely stylized and in a completely different way than what we're used to. Um, so I, I, I really like that. What do you what do you, what do you think about the diamond shape? Do you think there's anything to that? Or I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, just, like, with something, like, like you said, like, kind of, like, a stylistic choice to indicate that this is a dream. Or I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to make of that. Yeah, um, my only thoughts are... Um, this and the fact that she's playing Nanami is playing in a sandbox was very reminiscent of like a pretty infamous scene from End of Evangelion, um, mm. which I guess we don't want to uh, spoil that for whatever reason if people aren't familiar. But basically, there is a scene in that um, film where uh, the main character is like playing in a sandbox as, as a child, and then there's a point at which the like framing is very there's like a focus on this sort of like diamond shape, and it's like very reminiscent of like a woman's body. Uh, but that's uh, yeah. We don't need to get into Evangelion. We'll save that right for now. our podcast with yeah. Audrey, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Thunderdome podcast. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Smackdown. Yeah, and so Nanami wakes up from the stream and finds the egg in her bed, um, like in between her legs, like underneath the covers, and she immediately imagines a chicken, a turtle, and a frog all laying eggs. And she wonders, she doesn't verbalize this all the way, but she's like, did I? She's on something like that. She's clearly wondering if she laid it, which is reasonable <laughs> given the location of the egg. Um, and she starts crying and then we get the title card. Yeah, uh, we get, like you said, um, not to be survivor pilled, which when have, when are we ever sorry for that? But as you know, I was immediately thinking of uh, the Yasa turtles here with the turtles. But... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get this um, pretty instant um, sort of uh, reference to the idea of, like, biology, and specifically, like, animal biology. Um, Nanami, throughout this episode, has this, like, preoccupation with, like, being compared to an animal, um, and this is, a, like, a very immediate sort of reference to that. Um, do you think there's any significance to, like, the animals chosen, or do you think it's just they chose the silliest animals they could i yeah like well i think because it's like a chicken is a bird um a turtle is a reptile and is a turtle a reptile yes i don't know is a turtle a, hold on i feel really stupid i'm now. fairly certain yeah Okay, reptiles are turtles. Okay, 
A turtles are reptile. We got this. Okay, but a turtles are reptile and a frog's an amphibian. So like they're like from three different. Um, like they're not like from the same. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that, but that was just something I noticed that they were all like pretty. But they were like different. They all lay eggs, but like are from very different um, parts of the animal kingdom. Right. Um. And threes. Three always feels very important in the show. Um. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. So I think it just. Yeah. I think a lot of the choices in this episode are like. Maybe purely for comedy, but as always, we will be trying to, you know, dig deep. <laughs> yes, as, as Jeff Probst, that's a great Jeff Probst yeah. once said, dig deep. That's, he was, that's actually what he was, he, every time he says that, he's uh, actually just cheering on Utena fans in their analysis. Keep going, um, <laughs> go deeper. You yeah. must go deeper. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so after the title card, we see Swabuki and Nanami walking on campus, and he's like reading off her schedule, and... We'll notice he mentions the the only thing that's really important in what he's listing off is that she has a girls only health and hygiene class. Um, I am of the opinion that the egg does not symbolize one thing. Um, <laughs> but the the most common like and the one that jumps out most easily is of course menstruation, specifically right. ovulation. Um, of like the idea of like like releasing an egg. Um. And we'll we'll get into that. But that's I think like it's a pretty obvious like this is this could be read as a period metaphor, um, mm-hmm. um kind of tip of the hat with that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean I think it does start off like that way, pretty straightforward, but I think as we'll go along we could start to talk about what other things it could mean. Um, because I, I know I have a lot of thoughts. Yes, much <laughs> um, to think about. Yes. Um but yeah, so Nanami's very distracted during this scene. Um she starts to imagine that um, the someone planted this egg specifically to like humi- humiliate her, um, which is of course very classic Nanami kind of projecting <laughs> here, because hmm, who's the kind of person who would do something like this? Who we've seen multiple times do this to other people? Oh yeah, Nanami. So of course it, that's her first assumption is mm-hmm. um, something like someone is doing to her what she usually does to other people. Yeah, and um, it's um this is like when when we first met Nanami, this is something we I wanted to point out is that her greatest fear is someone seeing you, someone seeing like the true you, um and and so like, but then we also have this fear of here it's coming out more this feel of like alienation, mm-hmm. um and and like what if underneath like my student council uniform what if underneath my role as toga's sister i am a space alien like what if mm. un- what if the true me is something that can't exist in this world um, right something that will get you literally locked up is her constant fear throughout, throughout this episode is being um just like cut off from all of society and mm-hmm. basically in a cage yeah um, which is kind of her fear back when in the cow episode was this mm-hmm. idea of her fear of being led to slaughter, which I like, wasn't something she like I think ever verbalized or recognized um, in like a way that we could tell. Um, but I, it's I'm coming back up here. Um, this idea of she's scared of becoming inhuman, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's we should note that like in every like kind of the, like sequence. So the dream sequence at the beginning of the episode, she has a face, but then like in all of these kind of like night, I would call them nightmare sequences. Mm-hmm of where she's imagining what might happen to her, um, she and everyone else in these sequences are faceless. Um, 
And I would also like to point out that this, this the plot of this episode, like this feels like a Shadow Girls play. Mm-hmm. Like this Straight feels up. like could have like, and same with the Cal episode <sighs> to an extent. Um, and that's something I didn't really think about, but like watching this, I was like, this could easily like, if the Shadow Girls presented this like a condensed version of this, that would make sense. Exactly. But to the point, like the Shadow Play sequence in this episode feels very straightforward, mm-hmm. just because of like everything that's going on in the episode. You're like, oh yeah, this is pretty easy to (laughs) figure out but it's because it's almost like the shadow play girls have infected the rest of the episode yeah um and so so she's like after she's been locked up in her um first nightmare sequence with the girls on the like the playground um or like it's like the girls around in the school um Uchina accidentally kicks a soccer ball in Anami's face um and she comes running in her gym clothes in a shot that's very reminiscent of when she hits her with the baseball and take care of Miss Minami it looks like it's like the same shot just with different um clothes where she's framed with the rose the pink roses and then Nanami kind of instinctively tells her it could have been broken and then Uchina keeps pressing her on what it means um you know, she asks her I think twice and Nami's like, oh, Ut- Utsuno is the one who's sent to, like, humiliate me. And then she imagines Utsuno and Swabuki um, in the same nightmare sequence, shaming her for laying an egg and calling her a space alien. And, like, Swabuki's, like, doing, like, the, like, Russian dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that the people seem to, like, because, um, I mean, it's kind of what she does. Like, they dance, which I, I read as, like, they delight in mocking her. Mm-hmm. And because she usually delights in mocking people too, where she like breaks up the Ojo Sama laugh. I mean, mm-hmm. that's basically what like happens here with Suabuki, and we'll see later with Miki doing like a little like twirly twirl. Like, I think that is just <laughs> besides just being like a hilarious image, is like just supposed to symbolize, I think, um, once again, that Nanami is like assumes other people have the same motives that she does, which is to humiliate someone and to take joy in it as a way to sort of, um, establish a uh like a difference between two like herself like I'm not like them yeah I think it like underscores the like performativity of exclusion of like of like that very public like you are not like me um mm-hmm. and that is bad and and that is we talk about the, the performativity of everything Anami does of of like like and especially like I think I'm thinking of uh the Keiko uh Black Rose arc episode where she very loudly declares you are excluded from the, all clubs. You are excluded from all this. Like, you know, um, she didn't necessarily have an audience for that, but it was just like the, I, I just reminds me of the performativity of that, of like this, like the power Absolutely. of declaring someone excluded. Yeah. Which um, is a great lead into here, which what I, um, what in my notes, I just refer to as Nanami homophobia moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this, uh. we, we get that word again. Um, Otokana. Um, uh, this is the fir- the only other time we heard Nanami say that was during the Cowbell episode, um, and when Utena is telling her, um, you know, ba- it's it's like Utena telling her like stop being weird basically with the cow, mm-hmm. Cowbell, she's like, cowbells are for cows, don't wear that, um, and she says you're a bo-, he calls her a boy girl and tells her you can't understand. Um, and then Utena like looks at her clothes and then says the word mm-hmm. boy girl Otokona again. Um, and the first time Nanami said that to her, she got really offended. Um, but then this episode, I just think it's interesting to like, like the actual like looking at the clothes. Um, I don't know. It's like it's a it's a very brief moment, but like it's interesting to see like Utena like wonder what that means. Right, and I I mean I feel like that's a pretty significant sort of tell about what else the egg could mean in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we'll get into the lesbian of it all <laughs> as we <laughs> keep going. Um, but yeah, so uh, Nanami runs off um, and she goes to Miki and Miki has like this, <laughs> um, like a magnifying glass and for somehow the magnifying glass tells him that um, this egg was made recently. <laughs> like it's, it's very hilarious, like almost like CSI and like enhanced levels yeah, of like Yeah, I didn't think not. of that. <laughs> Like, he'd just be saying shit. Mickey is making this all up. Um, but, you know, um, bas- uh, basically, like, the point of the seed here um, is for Nanami to kind of um, start to assume something else. Like, kind of like um, we, the audience, start to, like, rethink what the egg could mean. Nanami kind of goes through that journey, too, throughout the episode. Um, and it starts here, where Miki says, you know, some mammals lay eggs. Um, of course, after the sequence, like we said, of Miki... Um, basically doing the same thing as uh, um, Uchina and Suwabuki were in her other nightmare sequence, like mocking her, calling her a space alien. Yeah, um, um, yeah. the line of Mickey's in that like nightmare sequence I thought was interesting. He says, no mm-hmm. human could do that, so you must be a space alien, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. It's like, it's if you don't line up with everything of what it means to be a human, you must be this other thing. So I, I just wanted to draw attention to that like very like strict like categorization of like normal and not normal and right. like just one thing that's off about you gets you put into the not normal category. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if we've used the word before, but binary I think is like mm-hmm. a pretty good word for it. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of this um, fear that Nanami has of like either you are in this normal or you're not normal, and that's sort of the binary that she's um, focused on. Um, yeah, so Miki then uh, starts to talk about the idea of mem- that um, some mammals do lay eggs, and Nanami, of course, um, leaves, like, out of frame before he can finish saying, you know, but humans don't usually do that. Yeah. Um, she just is like, great, got what I needed to cut, I, what I came here for, um, validation attained, I am out of here, bye Miki, um, and she leaves, she goes out into the hallway and is... Um, I'm sort of, I don't know, comforted. She starts to assume that, oh, um, this is actually something normal, or there are other people who lay eggs just like me. Yeah, she's marvelous in English. Um, mm-hmm. We noted that sometimes she'll say things in English, much like Toga um, likes to say things in English. We get a couple um, uh, English-isms of Nanami in this scene. Um, yeah, so she's like... It's like she's like come and she it's so quickly the the whiplash of Nanami in this episode is so interesting because it's all external. It's all based on like what other people are telling her for the most part. Um, and this is the first, you know, she had assumed it's this was a bad thing. And then she hears something that makes her think this, oh, this is a normal thing. That's better. But then her fear turns into what if I wait, am I the only one who didn't know? And her fear then turns when she sees Keiko, Aiko, and Yuko is like they have all done this before her and now they're going to mock her for being late. Um, and they call her a rain charm and a space alien. Do you know what the, do you have any idea what the rain charm? Uh, I'm really not sure. I, I, that probably should have been something <laughs> to look up. Um, I like yeah, briefly I looked I it, it up, but didn't see anything that made sense to me. If someone, again, if someone has an explanation, send it to us, but I did not see mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, I think it's just it's playing into the idea of like the inhumanity of it, mm-hmm. um, just like making her into not <clears throat> like us, essentially. But like you said, I'm sure there's like even more to be read into it there. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so she has that nightmare sequence. Um, and so she runs off away from her, her gal pals um, and runs into the ultimate gal pal, Jerry, mm-hmm. um, and uh, knocks over a, her bag. Um, and we get, like, I don't know. This whole sequence is very interesting to me. <laughs> the way Jerry is shot and, like, framed, like, when the way, like, Jerry, like, looks up at Nanami, it's all very, like, dramatic and, like... It is. Like, the, the camera lingers on Jerry in this moment a lot. Um, it's almost like Nanami is, like, seeing Jerry differently here. Mm. But, like, what I think is hilarious is, like, um, she just says, like, oh, God, Jerry's going to make the most fun of me of anyone. <laughs> and she's, like, she's like, of course I had to run into Jerry. Like, like this is the worst person in the school for me to run into. Um, which, true. Like, um, yes. <laughs> Jerry's pretty nice to her here because she doesn't know what's going on. Um so, so, like, she's, like, tells Jerry, like, what if I had broken my egg? Um, and then Jerry tells her to be careful. I, you almost scratched my ball. And then in, in the subtitle, ex, you know, explanation, we'll know that Tama means ball and Tamago means egg. So mm-hmm. this is, like, there's this back and forth of them just saying Tama back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just a, like, fun little, like, language gag. Yes, which is hilarious i just love i don't know the absurdity of it all of them just like yes my ball to each other um (laughs) but then jury starts to talk about um this idea of of, you know uh like she says things like it feels good like yeah i love having my ball um i used to have small like a small ball like yours uh but now they're much larger Mm -hmm. um which uh, that's a it's a whole lot going on here. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Like a lot of people like take this scene like the like cause we talk about the egg could be different things. Um, uh, you could like read it as menstruations. I've known some people read the scenes as talking about breasts. Uh, oh yeah. Now like Jerry used to have smaller ones and now she has larger ones. Yeah, I think to me I see it. I feel like this is, like, when it's the most, like, them playing up the whole menstruation of it all as the joke. Yeah. Um, and, but, what, like, Nanami takes away from this interaction, though, is that Jury's very mature. That's, like, her takeaway here is, like, mm-hmm. wow, she's in awe of Jury because Jury is, like, so confident with her ball and it's mm-hmm. so normal. Um, and now Nanami's whole, like, view on the egg is, like, wholly positive at this point. Yeah, and, of course, the, the ultimate gag of this scene is we cut to jury bowling <laughs> um and she says she rolls a strike and says strike so jury's not Colors. only um a pathetic lesbian on presumably the treasurer of the student council a professional model she's also a very good bowler yes i can only and a fencer, assume, of course <laughs> yes and a fencer he drags some poor girl to like the, a bowling date um, and she's like, the girl's just like sitting there like, what the fuck am I, why am I here? Jury's just being jury. Um, uh, yeah, just a hilarious scene with a hilarious stinger. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know, even though it like kind of plays into the menstruation sort of theme the most, I feel like this starts to speak to what I think we can agree is probably the other most popular interpretation of the egg, or at least I would think so, because that's my biggest takeaway from this episode uh, on this watching, um, which is, you know, Nanami gay. Nanami gay. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, my general, like, thought on the egg is that it, like, like, it just represents non-normative behavior um, or, like, qualities, but I do think uh, 
and that includes of course like queerness and like mm-hmm. or gender nonconformity or like you know any sort of nonconformity um but yes the back half of this episode with this and then later when we get the toga scene um is very much leaning into um the nanami gay of it all the the yes. lesbian nanami theory um so so Nanami, after seeing Jury, she we see her polishing and singing to her egg, telling it to grow up fast because I'm your mommy. So we have Nanami like now immediately like embracing this role that she really doesn't understand. Like she doesn't know why this is happening to her. And like she doesn't really yeah, she doesn't understand any of this. It's all ex- external like things she has picked up from these like <sighs> broken conversations she's had yeah. with people. And she's like, well, I'm a mom now. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is, and moms take care of their children. We've had a lot of talk of the past few episodes about like, and later with Anthony Nutna about like parents passing on things to their children, you know, like, you know, Anthony saying that Aki was more like a father to her. We're seeing a, like this arc, we've been getting a lot more talk about parents. Mm-hmm. We have Utna talking about her parents, which we, she rarely talks about them. And Ananami being a parent to this egg. Mm-hmm. And during the sequence, we get this, like, what I assume is, like, a kid's song or, like, some sort of, like, nursery sort of song. I don't know. Did you look up any more it's, about this It looks song like it's, like, plays? a song from the 60s. Okay. Um, like, yeah, it's uh, Konnichiwa, Konnichiwa Akachan. Um, okay. And, yeah, but, it looked like it's, like, an ex- it was an existing song that was used. I mean, um, like, Donna, Donna, Donna. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it's, like, this... Um, sort of this song that's like very um, straightforwardly about like you know welcoming a, welcoming a baby into the world um, so I, I which I love I love this idea of um, this like running theme for Nanami of like um, media influencing what she thinks mm-hmm. her role is supposed to be mm-hmm. like we can assume she's heard this song before and like suddenly um, she can connect to this song in a new way because suddenly she sees herself in this um, mother. Um, which I, I think is really interesting. It's not something we ever see with a lot of the other characters, this idea of, like, how outside media can affect, um, like, someone's interpretation of, like, what it means to be um, a person, a woman, a mother, uh, anything. Um, and I, I love that we get that here with Nanami. Yeah, I think the only time we've really gotten that is with Wakaba with the book she was reading mm-hmm. in the second episode where she was like, I was sad about Sayonji and then I like remembered this book and like now like I didn't get it at first, but now it has changed the way I'm thinking about myself and my understanding of the text has changed. Um, mm-hmm. So like I, th- I would say Wakaba and Nanami are the two we've, we've, we see. I mean, Wakaba more explicitly, but not Nanami in the actual like vibe of the episode, we hear those things, even if Nanami's not explicitly commenting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels, but yeah, it feels very reminiscent of Wakaba because, mm-hmm. like, we talked about with Wakaba performing the role of like wife to Sayonji, even though she like clearly like really didn't have a full understanding of like what that actually meant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even more so for Nanami here because she's like even younger, um, and just like playing this role that she assumes is like she just like you said she's like taking these scraps of people and just like building up what she assumes is the truth, um. And yeah, so she's taking care of her little egg, uh, like bathing it, polishing it, taking it <laughs> to school. Um, um, and it, the sequence sort of ends with her on a hill, like singing to it. Um, and Suobuki shows up here. Yeah. And so this is interesting, like, because like the Nami, he basically is like concerned for her and he asks what's wrong. He says, I'll do anything for you. And then she starts like lifting, listing off the absurd things he could do for her. 
Um, and she says, like, you know, like, I can't remember all of them, but it's all like absurd things like feats um, that he could never do. And she says, don't tell me you'll do anything when you can't. Um, and she runs off. And this is like reminds me of the, the cowbell episode where like she starts yeah. over the course of the episode, starts acting more docile. And like she her behavior changes as the result of wearing the cowbell and and yeah. and she becomes more cow like. Um, and then over the course of this episode, like. This is not something we would expect Nanami to say. She has those mm-hmm. moments, like in 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 um in uh, Mitsuru's in- impatience uh, or Mitsuru's growing pains. We she has those like where she's like a little more like she's a little like more like gentler with uh with him or like a little mm-hmm. seems like a little more concerned about him. Um, but like for her to just like say something like this, it's just so clear that like her behavior, every aspect of her personality is being shaped by her having this egg and ha- taking on this specific role. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. Like, she, um, it's almost like she's, like, mocking him for, like, serving her so much, which is something she usually benefits from and, like, encourages. Um, but it's like she's upset at him for doing it. She's, like, almost challenging him to keep doing it, like, mm-hmm. pushing his limits here, um, which is, yeah, really interesting. But it's more so, I guess, to push Suwabuki to um run to Utna and Ati for answers because of course who else would you go to <laughs> yeah and he did he did run to them in in uh in that same episode his his Black Rose episode t- asking mm-hmm. about where it's like kind of that conversation seems like they're talking about having sex in the library I can't remember the exact um mm-hmm. uh discussion there but yeah he's like Nanami's been weird and Utna calls it maternity blues and uh, I think it just says that in English. I think she says maternity blues in English. And then Amphi says, it sounds like she's laid an egg. Um, my pet hen and me got like that right after she laid an egg. So this is continuing the gag of that, like, Amphi has pets that are named after Nanami or happened to have <laughs> Nanami's name because she had the cow Nanami, who the, the cowbell was for, apparently. And also the, the the nose ring that Nami gets at the end of that episode. And now she's a conveniently has a hen named Nami who also yes. lays eggs. Amthi, once again, you know, always has exactly the right thing to sort of like push someone's buttons or like move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, I, I believe we talked about it last week. Like, I don't know, that's something to look out for. Like, it's it is very interesting that Amthi does always seem to have the tools to uh, like upset people or drive them to do certain things. I mean, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about at the end of this episode about the implication of yes. <laughs> whatever is going on at the end of this episode. <laughs> yes. Um, but this leads Anthi to ask the question. I think it's Anthi who's like, well, who's the father then if Nanami has laid an egg? Um, and that's yeah. when we sort of transition into um, the scene between Nanami and Toga. A very funny transition, I find, where Anthi's like, who's the father? And it's like, let's go to the weird pseudo-sexual relationship between Toga mm-hmm. and Nanami. Um, or, and so, um, you know, Nanami's singing to her egg at the dinner table and you know she's like oh i'm in a good mood because i'm working towards our glorious future uh, big brother and and you know he's kind of like you know what are you talking about um she's of course talking about how she's working towards the glorious future of her and her egg child mm-hmm. and she asks him if he prefers a boy or a girl <laughs> and so nanami's sitting and there's a window next to her and when she asks this one bird flies by mm-hmm. And he says, well, girls, obviously. <laughs> and Nanami and the birds fly by. Mm-hmm. And then Toga says, 
God created men and women for a reason because they join in the best sort of way. No matter how good something may feel, going against God's plan is. And Nami cuts him off because she has no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, I mean, hilarious given what we talked about between him and Akio before. Mm-hmm. Um, and very telling. I mean, hence your introduction for me today. This uh, this idea of, you know, Toga, who we've seen, like, engage in, like, pr- pretty much like sex with Akio like with another yeah. man on, and we like, should also we should like address the fact that like Toga is also the Toga Akio thing is also concerning given the age oh yeah difference there. I, we, 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 we didn't we, talk about that yeah like Toga's an underage boy so like obviously like consent is like he's supposed like, to be like 17 but like that's still like still we don't know okay. we don't know how old Akio is but that's still not great and like uh, given yeah, the just clear, position of power like we yeah. just that kind of was just at the end of an episode and I realized we didn't like talk about that lot more um but yes like uh, Toga and Akio have something going on um right. and that appears to be sexual and so it's again perhaps very performative of Toga to be saying this I mean is he trying to push Nanami's buttons I don't know um, but he's, it's, it's very, on a show that we're, we're so far, at least queerness is not being like, because it's obviously very important and like jury and Shiori and all of, and all that is it's at the forefront, but it's not like, no one's like verbalizing it to that degree. This is oh, like yeah, the no most like direct, yeah. you know, it's, it's the most direct way anyone's spoken about, about like queerness on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, yeah, it's very interesting that it's done in this way, where it's like, it would be, um, I don't know, like, I feel like you would expect Toga to say something like this before, regardless of that scene with Akio, but, like, the scene with Akio, like, just adds another layer to it of, like, I don't know, it makes Toga a more interesting character, honestly, to me, because now, even he doesn't seem, um, so, I don't know, like, in the first arc, obviously in the second arc, he's, like, at, um, rock bottom, but in the first arc, He's, like, the mastermind. Like, no one gets one over on Toga ever. Um, like, Utena beats him in the duel, obviously, but that's, like, sort of a physical sort of feat. Um, not necessarily, like, someone outthinking him. But here, it like, I don't know, his age starts to show here, or the fact that he is not, like, I don't know, completely in control of his emotions in the way that he seemed to be earlier on. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, makes me enjoy Toga, question mark? <laughs> So after, that, <laughs> yeah, no, never. No, so after he says this, Nanami's like, "You're the only one I love." And as she says this, a yellow balloon flies by the window. I can't remember what we said about the the balloon symbolism. <laughs> to me, I think it, my thoughts were, and I think this kind of reinforces it. Like the balloons would fly over when it was like someone would say something that was like not connecting with other people, or they were speaking mm-hmm. out of like ignorance, or like they were missing someone's point. And I think that's very clearly what's going on here. Is like. They, it's just like, I don't know, like, it's almost like the idea of, like, whoosh, like, the idea of something going over your head um, here made, like, physical. Um, and uh, we kind of get something like that a little t- later, too, with the roses, which I think is interesting. I know you were wondering about the roses in the corner of it all. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode kind of clarifies that a little, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get there in a bit in the next dinner scene. Um, but yeah, so basically the bit, Nanami's big takeaway from this discussion, though... It's more so that Toga says, um, I know, you, well, Nanami, first of all, is saying, well, what if a, you, a girl laid an egg? What would you think of that? And Toga says, well, 
Um, I would feel terrible for her family. How could uh, a girl lay an egg? That's such a betrayal. Um, and to do that, Tommy. Yeah, is, I think and he what, says the, the reason... Oh, you go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just about to say that this kind of brings us into, um, I think, like you said, when the egg starts to become a symbol of queerness or otherness more so than menstruation, which it kind of felt like it was leading to in the beginning. But, yeah. Yeah, and so he says the reason we've been able to live together is because you aren't the type of girl to lay eggs. And it's like setting up this thing where it's like his love for her is conditional. Um, and like we've kind of talked about that with like the the curry episode where it's like you can't come home until you get the spice. And it's like the reason we can live together is because you don't lay eggs. But leaving the kind of fill in the blanks, if you do lay eggs we can't live together yeah um which leads into this idea of um nanami starts to um once again like goes back to like the egg is a negative like she shouldn't be laying eggs um but she more so starts to wonder okay if i am going to lay eggs what do i do about it um and she i meanwhile the triplet i call them the triplets i don't think they have names yet do they (laughs) i don't Um, think so but the three boys that we always see Mm-hmm. Um, are like making egg, like egg rice, like they're stirring some egg into rice. Uh, Nami eventually like looks over and notices and starts to think, oh, maybe people just eat their eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, my reading on that um, is essentially um, the idea of, I guess, like suppressing something or mm-hmm. like, which I think is very interesting when we get to Sayonji. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, basically this idea of like, well, if the egg makes me other, um, then my only solution is to hide that otherness. Um, like, it won't stop the eggs from happening, but at least I can hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, um, yeah, we can start getting into. Um, but at this point, I think we get our shadow play sequence. Yeah, so, like, um, Nanami, so- yeah, Nanami, like, screams when she sees the boys eating the eggs, and, like, she becomes faceless. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. shadow girls, uh, like... Uh, UFO, UFO crashes crashes up. behind her, so it's like the it kind of the shadow girls kind of start behind her, which is interesting. And then we get into our regular, you know, wall where things happen. And so we have like someone who a shadow girl who's I think supposed to be a teacher, saying like things are only impossible because we think they're impossible. You think an egg can't stand on its end, and then the egg is like upright on chopsticks. She says if we use these break apart chopsticks, then the egg falls. And then the student asks wouldn't it just be easier to like break the egg from the bottom and then the the stu- the teacher stabs the egg with like a bunch of chopsticks all over and then the egg like wiggles away mm-hmm. and i seem to have a life of its like a mind of its own and then the student like kind of like, looks into the camera presumably like speaking to the camera mm-hmm. and it says i don't think it was an egg and then the shadow girl scream and it sounds like they're being eaten <laughs> um so what's your read on this i to me like my ultimate read on this is just that like it's kind of telling the audience that the egg isn't an egg. I feel like this, mm-hmm. it's weird. This, the shadow play sequence of this episode almost feels like the grounding moment of the yeah. episode. Where they're basically telling us the audience, which I think is like apparent, the fact that the, like you said, the shadow play girl literally looks into camera and it's like, the egg is not really an egg. Like this <laughs> is supposed to be something else. Don't take this so literally. Like it's meant to be something else. But I think it is interesting that the egg consumes them. Like you said, at the end of the episode, like mm-hmm. of it, um, which I think shows, like, the sort of danger of, um, I don't know, like, trying to prop up the egg or trying to make the egg do something that it's not supposed to. Um, 
it becomes something that is destructive when you do that is my reading on that mm. um I don't know what about you no I, I like like and I didn't think about this like I've always kind of I love this episode but mm. I've always kind of been like oh the egg is kind of just like it's so many things it's not one thing but I do like the idea of viewing it as kind of like intentionally setting you up to initially see it as this like very specific metaphor and the mm-hmm. way they kind of like pull the rug out from under you of uh, being like you thought this was just like like because there's so many arguments on the internet if you look up like the Omni's egg analysis on google you'll see so many people being like what does the egg mean um and like people like some people like menstruation it's boobs it's this and it's like <laughs> i like that the i like that the shadow girl scene seems to be like it's not one thing. It's like, you know, yeah, it is, which, the egg is not an egg because it's, it's like playing with the idea of this show being like very symbolic. And um, it's just it's a funny, funny shadow play sequence when taken within that context of like what's going on in this episode and like how we're being set up to kind of maybe like we're like like Nanami. She doesn't like know what the egg means, if it's good or bad. And like just like her, we're like not knowing what exactly it represents um as at at every turn we're kind of maybe taking a new look at it exactly and um it's what makes me (laughs) i was thinking about um i was comparing this to mother um the aaron aronofsky movie um throughout oh mother uh, yeah mother exclamation point sorry (laughs) i should (laughs) clarify um because um while i enjoy that movie i think my I don't know what your thoughts are on that if, if, if you've I've not seen, seen it, it no okay well um what I'll say about that movie is that like um I think it's a well-made movie but my problem with that movie is like once you understand the central metaphor of the film to me it becomes lesser because it's like the movie is not anything beyond that at mm-hmm. least in my mind it's like once you figure out what it's trying to say you are like oh okay like I get it you've kind of plumbed the depths of this movie at that point um, whereas this is like the exact opposite of that, um, where there's like so much you can read into it, and the show invites you to keep finding new reason or like new readings. Um, and also, I think the strength of this episode, which we'll get into once Utsun and Ati start to uh, like re-enter the episode, which is something I completely forgot about, um, is that this episode also tells us a lot about our characters, which is not something that Mother's really interested in doing. Like mm. the characters in that movie are more the symbols whereas in this show where it would be very easy to turn characters into just like placeholders for ideas at the end of the day they are still like fully fleshed people with Mm -hmm. motives and um backstories and everything so i think yeah that's just my um reasons i love this episode even Mm -hmm. more than i thought i would when i um sat down to rewatch it Mm. so after the the shadow play sequence, we see Nanami like leave her egg in the forest. Mm-hmm. So we have like she's presented with the idea that she has to eat the egg, um, which you kind of suggested is like repression or like suppression, suppressing that part of yourself. What do we think of like leaving it in the forest? Because she says she doesn't have the courage to eat it. Yeah, I mean, I think that to me, I, at first I thought she was burying it, mm-hmm. which is like feels like a very direct sort of idea of suppression of burying something under the ground. But I think the forest represents that because, I mean, when we think about it, the forest is where the dueling arena is. Mm. Um, and a lot of, like, secrets happen there. Um, and no one ever seems to want to talk about the dueling arena other than the people who have been there. Um, so the forest is this 
sort of like shrouding thing, this thing that obscures. And so for Nanami, it's much easier to just like put it somewhere where she knows no one will find it, um, which I think is also very interesting that we find Sayonji there later. Um, yeah, that's my idea of like, or my thoughts on like why the forest. What about you? Yeah, no, because I hadn't thought about the eating the egg as like, I hadn't like thought about it as like the suppression. I didn't like read into it that much. Um, like I'm trying to think of the difference of eating something and like leaving it in the forest. Um, I feel like to me the forest, um, um, it's almost like an act of mercy. Like it's something she could, mm. and she does. She goes back to find it again. It yeah. means she's not fully actually getting rid of it in the way that, say, um, a certain other green-haired character will be eating an egg later. <laughs> um, some people. Um, can maybe recognize that they lay eggs and are willing or and are happy to just eat it. And like, that's like, they are aware of the fact that they're eating it and suppressing this. Whereas the, with Nanami, she doesn't want to get rid of it in that way. She, she wants it to still be there. Something she can still access, even if it's not close to her Yeah. at a given moment. Yeah. So it's like the difference between like actively like suppressing a part of yourself and like just kind of ignoring it, not ignoring right. it, but just being like, this is, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I mean, it feels very much, honestly, if we're going to talk about it, like, directly to queerness, like, it feels like the difference between someone acknowledging that they're um, queer in some way or have some sort of, like, same-sex attraction or whatever you want to fill in the blank, um, like, queer, like, identity, and still actively choosing to, like, push it down. Mm -hmm. Or someone like Nanami, who's maybe younger, will maybe think of it in a different term of, like, oh, yeah, I think girls are pretty, but that's all it is, and we'll just, like, set it mm -hmm. aside. Yeah. I, to me, it's more of an act of innocence. From yeah. Perspective, where Sionji is a grown, or not grown man, but he is more mature, and maybe would have a more, more clear understanding of, um, like, what that would mean, um, which also I think is interesting to contrast to Jury, even though, like, the bullying scene was, like, a joke, she still is able to wield her ball in a way that Nanami, or Nanami finds admirable and mature. Like, even though um, Jury, like, does so, like, in secret, like, we don't see any other characters there with Jury. We see, like, faceless people. It's, like, happy bowling. It's in the same way. I don't know, Jury kind of, I she has accepted that she is gay. Like, she has, <laughs> even though she, like, suppresses her Shiori, like, the fact that, it, like, she, she's attracted to Shiori specifically. I think in general, she still is, like, comfortable, or she is at least recognizes that she is um, queer, gay, whatever, and is okay with being that, um, which is why I love that scene when you look back at it, once you, like, understand this other meaning to the egg, because then Nanami is kind of, like, I don't know, seen, um, like, someone who's more comfortable with their sexuality uh, and admires that and finds that interesting, whereas she thinks Sionji's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So before, like, so the the Sion, the the Nanami abandoned yeah, like, leading the egg. Myself. Yeah. So mm -hmm. then, then right after, because uh, I almost skipped over this. This is when we get to the scene of Nanami and Toga eating dinner again, and he repeats mm -hmm. that same thing about like the only reason we can live together, blah blah, blah is because you're not the type of girl who eats eggs. And then this is something. So the, this is where we get their both of their roses mm -hmm. above them. So what were your thoughts on that? To me, I think the rose just um, signifies that we are getting a specific character's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, when Miki, we got the rose, um, I believe that was when it was, like, his sort of auntie dream sequence, mm -hmm. correct? Um, and then in this sequence, it feels like it's um, meant to show 
that once again, both Toga and Nanami have an idea of like what they are talking about, but they are different. Mm, like, and okay. That's why we're getting both sort of symbols. It's like they both of their versions of what's happening can exist at the same time, but they are still very separate mm-hmm. um, is my reading on it. So it's uh, to me, it's like a sort of a marker of like, um, I mean, in the same way that the roses usually signify, like this is Nanami's episode or this is um, Miki's episode. This is like, this is Nanami's reality in this moment that we're kind of like seeing it physically represented there with the roses mm-hmm. that makes sense and and so she agrees with toga she just like and he like you couldn't do this if you were the type of girl that laid eggs and she just says like i can't remember what she says exactly but she's just kind of like she has like it's interesting because it's like she ultimately leaves the egg in the forest because of the realization she would have to eat it but it's also like by doing so she has kind of secured that like toga will never find out mm-hmm. and like i will also like be able to like have this place here but then she's lying awake at night presumably after dinner like convincing herself it was for the best and she gets like we get like a egg greatest hits montage <laughs> um, where she's like oh my bestie like remember, remember the, five minutes ago when you were on my head in a bath and i was singing to you um and she decides to go look for her egg um and this is like in really interesting because like toga just told her like if you're a girl who lays eggs like you can't like you know that's not good and she is still like running away from that house to go find her egg this is something very much this is rare behavior from nanami to do something like so against what toga is telling her mm-hmm. um and so it's like through this egg she is kind of developing her own sense of self for the first time like she's doing this for herself because she that's loves it mm-hmm. that's what i think it's like important to think of it not as like She's defying Toga. She just genuinely loves the egg so much that she's willing to look past her love mm-hmm. of Toga, which feels very different from if she were, like, I mean, very Kozue of, like, to sort of um, try to get close to him by some way. It's not about that. It's not really about Toga at all. Like, she doesn't think about that. She just is thinking about the egg in that moment. Um, which, like you said, is, like, awesome. I love that for Nanami. That's great. That's huge for Nanami. Mm-hmm. Um, we love. I, I love. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. and but <laughs> but she goes to look for the egg, and the egg's gone. And then this is where we get Sionji camping, yeah, and wearing his little yellow apron, <laughs> and his little apron. Mm-hmm. And she sees him frying an egg, and like falls to the ground. She's like, "How could you?" And he says, "Well, eggs are usually something you eat." And that kind of reminds me of the the cowbells are for cows, um, mm-hmm. like repeated refrain in the cow episode. Right. Um. And so, yeah, Sayonji is out here eating his gay thoughts to get rid of them. <laughs> and then Nami, start, Nami starts beating the shit out of him. It's so funny. <laughs> she just, like, calls him, calling him a monster. And she, yeah, she's, like, so tiny next to him. And this is, again, we kind of alluded, like, mentioned that, like, Nanami does have, like, kind of a nice relationship with Sayonji. Like, she's the only <laughs> one to call him by his given name in the whole show so far. So we can presume we don't really know where that comes from, but we can presume she knows him from their childhood 
from when he was hanging out with Toga. So it's not something we've ever seen in a flashback. Um, so it's interesting that Sionji, I mean, it's interesting Sionji because she's Sionji gay. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. interesting because like she does have this like seemingly like affectionate relationship with Sionji that seems like healthy. <laughs> like <laughs> um, it's like a healthy. It's like what her relationship with Toga should be. Yeah, yeah. Like she like she like clearly does have some sort of affection for him, you know. But um, it's not yeah, it's not her relationship with Toga. But yeah, it rules the way she be, like beats him up, and he's like, okay, okay, like you like, I'll, you, I can make you eggs too. And he pulls out this mm-hmm. big bowl of eggs, his big bowl of gay eggs, and <laughs> her egg is still on the bowl on top. And then he's like, he says something about like a girl who like, he starts to like say something about like a girl who like makes that much of an issue about an egg or something, but then she leaves in the middle of the conversation, mm-hmm. and he first egg. <laughs> He's burnt his egg. Yeah. I don't know what to think make of the egg burning. If if the egg is gay, what does it mean if you burn your gay? Um, I <laughs> I think I don't know. I just think to me that means like, uh oh, he's gonna have a gay thought tonight. Like he's gonna <laughs> eat it in time. Drat. <laughs> um, yeah. So then suddenly though we get a a, a straight up love song starts to play and um what a way to bring us into um an Uchina Anthi bed scene. <laughs> Yes, it's very true. When one is in love, the world stands still. In the timeless world, the couple walks on. It's very, yeah, romantic again, and also like kind of out of the style of the usual music of the show. Um, um, It's more in line with the song we got earlier, yeah. And so Mm -hmm. they, Nanami is like spinning and talking to her egg, and then we cut to Uta and Anthi in bed, and Anthi, kind of apropos of nothing, we'll get to that later. Um, asks Utena if she believes in reincarnation, and she says, "When elephants reach the end of their lives, they leave they leave the herd to die in secret." And then Utena says, "Maybe they don't want their children to feel sad, and that, that and that's why they leave the herd." Um, and then Utenanti talk about how passing on thoughts and feelings to your child is a sort of reincarnation. And then Utena asks, "Why are we talking about this?" And Anthi doesn't respond. Um, and we can we'll, we'll we'll jump back to this Oof. as to the why maybe you know at the end of the episode okay. and then perhaps there we'll have more things to say in future episodes. Um, but I, again, we have this recurring theme in this arc of talking about parents and children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ooh, yeah I feel like this was the big. I was like, whoa! I don't remember this part of the episode at all at all, and I have like a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, we can get to that. Uh, when we get to the final scene of the episode. Um, but first we get this um, scene of like, I, I feel like at first you should realize that something weird is going on because Nanami doesn't have her egg again. Um, and she's like running through the night and she finds her egg, but this time it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's like cordoned off and has like spotlights on it. It's, it's the sign um, that says danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels um, very, I don't know, it's almost like a, like a UFO landing. It makes reminds me of the X-Files, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, very arrival. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, she finds the egg, um, and it starts to glow. It shoots like a laser beam at her, um, and then the it cuts back, the glow goes away, and we see that it's hatched. We don't see it, anything that's come out of it, but it's just been broken open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then she wakes up and it's a dream um, mm-hmm. and she looks down and there's a broken egg between her legs. Um, so 
I guess and she screams question. no. This this episode is yeah. like prefaced with her finding the egg and screaming, and then now the egg is broken and she screams. Yes, it's yeah. She screamed that it was there in the first place, but now she screamed that she's lost it at the mm-hmm. end. Um, so thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know, man, because this is like this is like every like. Oh. So if we're like following the trend, I'm, I'm, again, I am of the opinion that the egg is not one thing. Um, but like, what mm-hmm. is it? If following the the idea of, the, of it being queerness, like, what does it mean that it has disappeared? Or it's not disappeared, yeah, that it's broken. broken. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. To me, it's interesting because it's like, we, like, it's shown as, like, literally, like, a UFO in the dream sequence, and then it hatches, mm-hmm. and then she wakes up. My thoughts, I feel like maybe at some point when I first watched this episode, I thought maybe it was, like, joke whole episode was a dream like and that this was mm. the actual ending of the dream was she woke up to a broken egg instead of the like egg in the first place but i i don't think that's true um but i don't i don't know what that means the fact that she maybe was comfortable with it um and had accepted it but now it is broken i don't know that's a tough one <laughs> i don't know and also i real i just realized we have not talked about the crack the world shell of it all right <laughs> I mean, that's what I, that phrase came to mind for the first time in this episode when um, Utsuna like hits Nanami with the ball and Nanami says something like, oh, she wanted to smash my egg. And I was starting to think to crack the world's shell. But if I remember, remember correctly, Nanami doesn't use that, correct? Yeah, no. Um, Her intro but, was different. Yeah, it, it was. About... Um, um, let me see. I don't know if, you... if that's really, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. We haven't really talked about the idea of cracking the world's shell yet. Um, but I think this idea of the egg as queerness or otherness, I think, is maybe something we should really put a pin in. Yeah. Yeah, so Nanami what references the... the cage of freedom and that we need to smash the world's cage. My God, that's perfect. Because mm-hmm. she's so obsessed with cages. Literally, mm-hmm. like, that makes yeah. sense to me. This episode is um, all about her imagining herself in different cages. Yeah, that's, wow. I'm mad at myself for not, like, realizing that before. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, perfect for her. Of course, she doesn't care about eggs. She cares about the cage. Um, that's perfect. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess maybe we can check in with Nanami next episode or whenever we see her next to see what we think about the idea of the egg smashing by the end of the episode. And how that relates to the idea of the world shell. Is the world shell different from Nanami's shell? I don't know. <laughs> so the after this, we get this little coda of um, Uten and Anthi talking about how it's been a while since we've seen him. And then um, the doorbell rings and Uten opens it and finds Choo Choo there and welcomes him home. And then Anthi, the, the camera lingers on Anthi's face for a long time, looking very like sad, concerned. Again, this is kind of a difficult to read Anthi expression. Um, and the common interpret or one you know possible interpretation of this ending that I've seen people a lot the first time I was very confused as to what, what that the significance of this was, um, but the interpretation I've seen a lot is that um, Choo Choo was in the egg. Um, oh, okay. And that's why so 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 that Choo Choo left to die and be reincarnated. reincarnated. Oh, okay. and that's when okay. he comes back. Learned... Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that makes, I feel like, okay, now that you said that, that, like, actually rings a bell. 
Yeah. Um, which is very interesting. Okay. Um, because Aki just like very like deliberately brings up the reincarnation thing, and then it's like, hmm, we haven't seen Chu, and mm-hmm. like, so it feels like an auntie's face at the end is like she knows like that. I don't know. And I think about like the cyclical nature of like the dualist dueling cycles. It's like, mm-hmm. does like Choo Choo like I don't know. Like just Choo Choo goes through this like cycle in this episode. If you believe, you know, if you if you take that reading as such. Right, which I think makes I think that that's um the implication. Then I I think that's a my what my reading would be that yeah, Choo Choo hatched from it. Um. Which I think is interesting because then that means that this sort of like the status quo maybe was upset for a while there and we didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Like Nanami was in possession of Choo Choo and she had no idea and Choo Choo wasn't there with Anthe. Um, but by the end of the episode, uh, like the status quo is reinstated, um, maybe for the worse because Nanami seems upset and Anthe seems very dejected at the end. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't seem like happy to see Choo Choo. She like looks down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess do we want to get into why we think um, that bed sequence is significant? I was just, like, it to me, like, for the immediate, it seems oh, to be Oh, it's about just, that? I About that, but maybe I think as we go along, I might have more to say. Right. About. Well, I think, I feel like I, we can talk about maybe a little mm-hmm. about what it could mean. Because to me, I feel like we have enough to talk about the idea that maybe... I don't know. It's in, um, about is thinking about death, and specifically, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about this like kind of delicately because it's kind of touchy. It's about Akio and Anthe, mm-hmm. but I think the idea of like giving birth to a child mm-hmm. as a sort of um, like bright side to maybe what could be going on between Akio and Anthe, like maybe Anthe is thinking about what could something good be that comes from this mm-hmm. this being a relationship with Akio like what if if I even though I go through so much suffering what if it is in service of like another life like that to me was my reading of that scene um but like you said we can go into maybe more of that later as the show goes on um but I think my original reading of the egg breaking was maybe the realization between Anthe and Utna of like I don't know uh, we can I guess maybe assume that they are both cisgendered and so like the idea of like them having children is like not an option and Mm so Nanami maybe even though she accepted her queerness in that moment maybe she kind of reached the same realization they did which is Mm -hmm. this idea of like maybe it can't lead to what I'm supposed to in quotes do as a woman which is Mm -hmm. like procreate and so that to me was my original reading of the breaking of the egg was this like um nanami was willing to accept it but then she sort of realized that that she wouldn't be able to fulfill that mother role she was so like attached to in the beginning with the egg if she were to i don't know pursue a non like heteronormative like be with the man like a cis man relationship Mm-hmm. that's at least my interpretation of that I, I don't know I feel like there's like a lot of thoughts I'm having on this that yeah are like rolling around and we can maybe talk about that more um as we go deeper into the series mm-hmm. yeah no I I have never read that particular interpretation of the on of the reincarnation thing of like what perhaps is going through Auntie's head in there but I do think that's interesting um because she is so 
like somber at the end of the episode. Yeah. Which and is, it feels like disproportionate to like, I don't know. It's just like, I like, yeah, I, I could never be able to like understand like why she's like so like sad. I mean, and there's a very like, I don't know, like there's no music in that scene. And it's just like, it is very somber. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like something very sad is happening with Anthe here. And that's why I think she is, I'm, I'm always going to assume like when Anthe is like wants to say something, it's because she wants to say something about Akio. And so mm-hmm. that's where my sort of thoughts were going was this idea of like, um, if something good could, could could come out of her suffering, maybe that could be it. But then if she's in a relationship with Utna, is that even possible? I don't know. Like that's, there's just a lot to read into that. Um, and I guess we will keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Not. We certainly will. Yes, because uh, that, yeah, that whole scene really got my gears turning. But we also need to remember haha, funny Nanami egg episode. Nanami <laughs> gay. Is, Nanami gay. That's, I think, the biggest takeaway. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I, I ended up, like I said at the beginning of, the, of this episode, I was scared that this episode would not hold up. For me, but I feel like I've come out of it like, yeah, this is a great episode of the show, and I feel like there's a lot, a lot into it. Um, yeah, what about you? What, thoughts on Nanami's egg? As we, oh yeah, I love it. I think it's, it's definitely one I have. The first couple of times I watched it, I think I was more just like, oh, this is like a funny haha symbolism, um, and I've kind of like thought like, got a little frustrated with the egg of like, what it is it, what isn't it? Um, but on this rewatch, I definitely embraced the like, um the egg is the egg um but it mm. is also you know it is like i've i've enjoyed kind of looking at this episode through nanami's perspective of like the different things the egg comes to represent based on what she's being told what feedback she gets mm-hmm. um and so i i find the way this episode is st- like kind of set up narratively even more interesting in terms of like you know telegraphing to the audience like this is about menstruation but like of course by we get you know with the, the very obvious girl's health class at the beginning but of course by the time we get to the end it's the egg is so much more than menstruation so i find that very clever and i appreciate that oh absolutely yeah (laughs) that was my fear was like that like i said with the mother comparison my i was scared it was going to be a sort of shallow episode just about like menstruation but it was uh, infinitely more than what i remembered it to be um and i'm so excited to keep talking about these characters that's what i think my biggest takeaway from this episode was is that i really this is like, I love this cast. Like, there's, these characters are really starting, I think, to, like, shine here. Like, mm-hmm. we understand these characters, like, to such a degree at this point that we can talk for over an hour about them when one <laughs> of them lays an egg. Like, that's pretty great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, great episode. Great episode. And we'll be back for next week with an even greater episode, or perhaps mm-hmm. just as good, episode 28, Whispers in the Dark. Uh, I think that's my favorite episode title of the the mm. show. I love that episode title, Whispers in the Dark. Um, and we might be back with a guest. Um, mm. We'll be meeting a character that is very controversial. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, the discourse surrounding this character we're about to meet is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, yeah. Get ready for that. <laughs> I look oh forward God. to that. Um, so, yeah, the next two episodes are technically a two-parter, but we are breaking them up because if we talked about this these next two episodes in one episode, it would be six and a half hours long. Um, yeah, that's not even an exaggeration, honestly. <laughs> that <laughs> like, might give you an, an indication as to who this episode's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Um, that's right, yeah. it's yeah, it's kind of like, well, actually, yeah, that would be realistic, um, given how much we'll <laughs> talk about her. Um, 
so yes we'll be back next week with that episode whispers in the dark um in the meantime though derek where can people find you uh well they can find my whispers in the dark on twitter <laughs> at rain um they can also follow my other podcast with our bestie sam stanish uh bitterjurors pod on twitter and instagram bitterjurors is the podcast where we talk about a lot of things but mostly at this point we're talking about survivor 41 which is about to um, let's see, by the time this episode comes out, the finale of that season will have aired already, and we will know who the winner is, and that's all very exciting. So mm-hmm. if you want to, I don't know, listen to us talk about Survivor, and then also probably talk about Legend of Korra again soon, that should be in the works. So yeah, that's where you can find me. What about you, Christine? You can find me on Twitter at xteen underscore files, and yeah, my I write about Survivor on InsideSurvivor.com. Um, so if you want to read uh, my last thoughts on the season, it'll be up in a few days after this comes out. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to write anything during the off season, but who knows? Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, we will, I oh, got, I say so. Yeah. So much. Um, <laughs> we will be back next week with whispers in the dark um, with most likely a very special guest. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. My ball. My ball. <laughs>